The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 28th chapter. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When he saw them, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The Gospel of the Lord. My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're now in the final, the third week of a three-week mini-series we are doing. We've, uh, for the last number of years, as we begun, begin the fall, we've found it helpful to focus on some basic or foundational or fundamental part of our faith. So this year, as you may know, we've been focusing on the God that we worship as Christians. That is, of course, the Trinitarian God, the three-in-one, the one-in-three, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Creator, the Redeemer, Sustainer. Um, a couple weeks ago, uh, taking a cue from the creeds, which outline this God, we focused our attention on the first two words of those creeds, I believe. Last week, we began to turn our attention to the object of our belief, so we started to talk about God the Father or Creator, and God the Son or Redeemer. This week, I do want to talk about the Holy Spirit, um, the Sustainer, uh, but I want to get there uh, sort of by way of a, of a particular theme I want to use to connect my thoughts this morning, and that theme uh, is the theme of the intersection of heaven and earth. And I'll, again, this is a series on the sort of basics of our faith. I'm going to turn to a very basic part of our faith to lift this theme up, and it's the Lord's Prayer, this prayer that our Lord and Savior taught us himself, which begins, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on as it is in Right. So right there in the first phrase of the Lord's Prayer, we get that intersection of heaven and earth. And I will remind you, we talked a little about this last week, heaven here doesn't mean, you know, the, the place you go when you go up in a spaceship. Um, and earth doesn't really mean the planet we live on. What, it, what it's talking about, heaven is talking about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, what Jesus came to point towards which is the place which, at the end of time, we will be face-to-face -face with God, where God's love and joy and peace will be made fully manifest, okay? That's what Jesus is talking about when he talks about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And when we talk about the earth, we're talking about this broken, fallen, imperfect uh, world that we live in that isn't as God intended. And when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, as it is in heaven, we're saying, God, Please allow us to catch a glimpse of your perfect kingdom even here. And we are talking about the Holy Spirit. Um, I love when something like this happens. I'm going to trust this is the work of the Spirit in that first hymn that we sang, Lord of Light. Um, 
we scheduled this before I knew what I was preaching on, the refrain, you may recall, says this, Father, as in highest heaven, so on earth your will be done. So right there in the first hymn we sang is a reflection of that intersection of heaven and earth. So I want to lift up a couple of places in the Bible where this intersection is discussed or it happens. And I want to start in the Old Testament. We've talked before about how these panels do such a good job of reminding us that we live within the narrative or the story of the Bible, which we just had the privilege of giving to our first graders. And the story I'm thinking of is actually reflected in the panel in the back. If you feel like craning your neck to see it, you can. It's the parting of the Red Sea. It's the story of Moses freeing the the Hebrew people from slavery, right? Um, And after that happens, he, you may recall, leads them into the wilderness to begin their wilderness wanderings as they make their way to the promised land. And about 50 days after he leads the people, the Hebrew people, out of Egypt, out of slavery, they arrive at Mount Sinai, okay? And Mount Sinai is where Moses then goes up the mountain, and there is no question, this is perhaps one of the most important, I'll call it theophanies, appearances of God in the Old Testament. On the mountain, Moses meets God. Heaven and earth intersect there. And what does Moses bring down from the mountain with him? The Ten Commandments, two tablets of stone, which are reminders of that moment, reminders of that meeting of heaven and earth, so much so, if you remember some of this narrative from the Old Testament, uh, those Ten Commandments, those two tablets, are so valued, so treasured, as a reminder, as an indication of the meeting of heaven and earth, that they are placed in an ark. This is the same ark that's uh, talked about in Raiders of the Lost Ark. They didn't have the real one for the movie, by the way. Um, And that ark, in turn, is placed in a tent, or tabernacle, which again, if you remember the Old Testament story here, travels with the people as they go through the wilderness to the promised land. And you'll also remember that uh, connected to that tabernacle and therefore to the ark and therefore to the Ten Commandments, the tablets, is a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, which continues to remind those people that God is with them that heaven and earth are connected. And eventually, that ark and the Ten Commandments are placed in the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, Eventually, that temple is destroyed and the ark is lost. But the ark is placed, those Ten Commandments are placed in the Holy of Holies initially, the most sacred part of that temple, as a reminder of all that's happened with God and a reminder that God is still present, that, again, heaven and earth meet there. Now, turning our attention to the New Testament, of course, the place where heaven and earth meet most profoundly in the New Testament is the person of Jesus through his ministry, his life, his death, and his resurrection. Now, it's interesting that what I'm about to talk about connects very closely to that Exodus story. Jesus is is, uh, tried and killed on the weekend of Passover. You You remember that? And Passover comes from when? It comes from the story when Moses frees the people, the Hebrew people, from slavery. And in the same way, through Jesus' death and resurrection at Passover, Jesus frees us from sin. 
You remember I mentioned Moses goes 50 days after they leave Egypt to the mountain? Well, 50 days after his resurrection, the people, the Jewish people are celebrating a festival called Pentecost. Pentecost is simply a Greek word that means 50th. And so they go to Jerusalem to the temple to celebrate in part what? The giving of the tablets, the giving of the Ten Commandments to remember when Moses went up the mountain. Only this time, it's Jesus who has ascended, again, into heaven, into God's kingdom. And then, instead of sending down tablets, Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. And again, this is portrayed in the panel you see on the front wall there, the 12 flames of fire, uh, which are representative of the Holy Spirit now being given to God's people. And what does that mean now? If the Holy Spirit has been sent to God's people. I want to read just a few very short verses here that give an indication of what it means. Um, this is from the very end of the Gospel of John and the very beginning of the book of Acts, which are right next to each other in the Bible. So the very end of the Gospel of John, verse, uh, chapter 21, verse 25, the author of John says this, but there are also many other things that Jesus did if every one of them were written down. I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. The suggestion there is that I've talked about some of what Jesus has accomplished, but Jesus is going to continue to accomplish things into the future. The book of Acts, which you may recall is the second installment of the Gospel of Luke. They're by the same author. Uh, the author Luke, uh, of Luke also wrote the book of Acts. And so in the very first ver verse of the Acts of the Apostles, the author of the Gospel of Luke says this, in the first book, that's the Gospel of Luke, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught. Some, that's the way it reads in this translation. In some translations, it, it says, I, write, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do or was beginning to do. Again, a suggestion that Jesus, is, his work is not yet complete. It's not yet done. And then a few verses down, before the events of Passover, or excuse me, of Pentecost, which comes in the second chapter of Acts, we hear these words from Jesus. But you will receive power, my followers. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Which is a reminder to us or an indication to us that heaven and earth no longer meet only in the tablets of stone or in the Ark of the Covenant, or in the Tabernacle, or in the Temple, but rather now, thanks to the Holy Spirit, heaven and earth are connected and intersect where? Through each and every one of you, and through this thing we call the church. And that may sound like a huge burden, a huge responsibility, which I actually think it is. But it's also an incredible privilege to think that God would say to each and every one of you, I want you to continue my work. And I also believe it's an incredible adventure. It is what you were made for, to help the world see a little bit of what heaven looks like. And bringing us back to the beginning, 
of talking about the Trinity. The church is understood, actually, in Trinitarian language. We talk about the church as the people of God, or the body of Christ, or the temple of the Holy Spirit. This, all of you and all of us together, is the place, as one author said, and I love this, I stumbled on this this week. He said, the Spirit is given to begin the work of making God's future, remember that future kingdom, real in the present. The Spirit is given to begin the work of making God's future real in the present. And if you want to hear more about how exactly that works, you'll have to come back next week. (laughs) In the meantime, let's pray. Good and loving God, we are so grateful that you have called us together this morning. We thank you for creating us as your sons and daughters. We thank you for loving us so much that you gave your son for us, and we thank you for trusting us with your work in the world. We pray that we will once again this morning receive your Holy Spirit so that we might share your love with the world. And all this we pray in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. And before we have the offering, I'm going to invite you all to stand since we've been talking about the Trinity. We did a baptism last hour. I'm going to invite you to respond to these questions uh, that are printed in your bulletin. Do you believe in God the Father? I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of the Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe in God the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.